Welcome back to another episode of Ready Comics Roll. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, to like, share, and subscribe. It's a me, Mike. I'm Anthony. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. I'm John, and I just leveled up. I remember being four years old on my birthday, opening up my very first regular NES Nintendo system. Must be nice. It was. I think I played more Duck Hunt than I did the actual Mario game that came with Duck Hunt, than I did the <laughs> original uh, Legend of Zelda, than I did um, half the other, like, Contra and all the other stuff that I got on the regular Nintendo. Like, <laughs> I think Duck Hunt, just trying to, I wanted to shoot that dog in the face so bad. <laughs> I don't know why, but I think... Everybody Everyone. has a story where they're like, I just really wanted to shoot that dog every time he laughed at me. Come on, he was always popping out, taunt you. How did you not want to like be like, dog, I'm going to come after you and not the ducks? It's like, and the thing too is, the dog is supposed to be like your friend. It's the I whole know. Boy, it's the one that scares all the ducks out in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being a supportive, you know, man's best friend, it's more like he's your worst <laughs> enemy. Exactly, that little chuckle that he always did and his ears flopping up and down. It's like, you're just yeah. awful. <laughs> And then we all had that one friend or that one sibling or family member that every single time they played Duck Hunt, they literally walked up to the TV screen with the gun. And just like plugged it at the TV. Austin. Just, like, Austin. literally two inches from the screen. My, my younger brother Austin would always do that. He just, he couldn't hit it for the life of him somewhere and half the time he would walk up to the television screen kind of just... Click, click, click. And the sad part is, he would still miss sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the tracking on that was a little bit off, but we'll just that crack w- it up to your brother. Yeah. That's, that's always <laughs> it was a horrible shot. That's always the same thing we do. Uh, but, but not to play the, the, the sad mopey game here, or who, the who had it worst game, but the rest of the reason why I said must be nice, because the, the first system that I ever played was the Atari, even though you're older than I am. Uh, well, but, I mean, I played the Atari, but I just didn't I, like. I didn't have my own personal one. My stepdad had one. For yeah, no, that's, that's that's what I mean. It's like um, the way my family always did systems is they always got it much after. Like when Nintendo came out, is when my dad finally got the. Well, sorry okay. for for me, the NES had been out. Like the NES was out the year that I was born. Mm-hmm. I, the Super Nintendo came out on my fifth birthday, and I got a Super Nintendo for my fifth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh, similar then, but it was funny because this just goes to show even, even back then, you always had people that were just really crooked and trying to take advantage. My dad didn't know much about that kind of stuff at the time. And it was, it's like sold to him in a way that he was given the impression that it was a personal computer. That could just so happen also do like games. So that's when my dad got it because he was like, you know, I really could use a personal computer to, you know, help run, you know, my everyday stuff. So he bought, the Atari, because that was how it was sold to him, brought it home, booted up, it only did games. And yeah. my dad's just like, ah, oh, god damn it. So then he's just like, well, here, you go ahead and play it. And that's what, the first game I played was actually Atari Boxing, which for some reason, when I was that young, I thought they were weird aliens that were hitting you with the top part of their body and the bottom part of their body, because <laughs> I wasn't aware that it was a top-down look at the two boxers. Yeah. True. The- I... I- I think my first experience, because I did have the Nintendo just like everyone else, but uh, I had that classic, just like Anthony, classic sibling stuff. It was me and my sister, and she was the older one. So I actually played a lot of the Mario Brothers. And of course, she was player one, I was player two through those early years trying to get everything. And then realistically, she would concentrate a lot on the Mario games, 
And then I was getting into your Zelda, your Metroid, your your punch your punch out, you know what I mean? But uh yeah, I always had that stereotypical player two little brother role when it came down to the games. Which is really weird because the way my brother and I did things, and I think it's just because I really liked Luigi more. I know I'm in that like really odd minority of people that prefer Luigi to Actually, Mario. I prefer Luigi too. Okay, well then there's well, a couple people that do that. My 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 thing is is like I never really played like, like I said I played more of the Duck Hunt than I did that that original Mario Brothers game, but my mom actually beat the first Legend of Zelda before I ever did. Wow. She she like hardcore played that game when I would go to sleep at night. She because she would work night she would work graveyard come home late and then just play the game. It's only because she already knew the little gamer inside you was going to talk some shit and she wanted to make sure that you had no shit to talk. <laughs> she wanted you to know your place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but actually, the first time I played Mario Brothers was not Mario Brothers for the Nintendo. It was Super Mario Brothers. That's where my brother and I jumped into it because that was the next time we ever got a system. We you know, almost she was com- the shit. We almost completely skipped the Nintendo. I think the only time we did play is we had. Uh, a relative who happened to have the system. That was like one of the few times we got to play, mm. which is where we did the whole duck hunt in Austin. It was just being awful. Well, my thing is, is I, I think everyone that has fond memories of the Super Nintendo, like it was one of the best selling systems of all time. Best system. I, I, I legitimately think a lot of times it was one of the best systems. I think that's one of the reasons why the SNES Classic is doing as well as it yeah. is. I, I, I'm, I still need to get my and, hands on and one of And the thing is, is it amazes me that like, some of the games that they included, I thought I was alone in playing them when I played them when I was a kid. Like, the only person that I, the only other person that I knew that played the Breath of Fire, uh, games was my cousin at the time. Breath of Fire was probably, and still is, one of my favorite callback games. I've unfortunately never played it. Oh! Yeah, smack the no, no, no. shit out it of gets, you! It gets, it gets better. I did not get a chance to play Chrono Trigger. Until only, I would say, like four or five years ago, because I got the ROM and I ran well, off an image. Well, it, to no, be, to be fair, too, I didn't. But... I didn't get into Chrono Trigger until I, I like such a again good like college or like I was an adult at the time. I had played because my thing was is I got into uh, Final Fantasy three and or six, whatever you want to call it. Um, I got into Secret of Mana and I got into Breath of Fire. Um, between Breath of Fire one and two. On the SNES, I was done. Like, yeah, really. That was so much RPG time that it was ridiculous. And I think I beat Breath of Fire two like four times. Yeah, I I think that a lot of times back in the day, you know, you you had your few selections of games, and then like you'd have your your friend maybe have a few crossovers, but maybe something else. So you'd kind of go and play over their house or your cousin's house yeah. or something like that. I remember we had a small stack of games in a few of those. Yeah, your Final Fantasy, your your Chrono Trigger or your Chrono yeah Chrono Trigger. Um, you know your Super Mario World and Super Mario Kart would oh, be yeah. like Mario, the hands, Mar- you know the staples of oh, the house. Man. And, and the funny thing is, in regards to like what you were saying before about sibling games, John, is that's most of the games my brother and I played. You, even though now I'm much more established into RPGs, they're more definitely my favorite genre of games. Yeah. The, my second favorite game uh, genre of games, and mostly due to nostalgia and because of my experiences, is beat 'em ups. My brother and I played a lot of beat 'em ups. Final Fight, of, Fatal Fury. Yes, not not even just that, but even just a lot of co op games too, because the whole sibling thing. So like my brother Streets and I, of Rage. we yeah. would do 
Contra Three. It's probably like one of our favorite memories. That was such a pain. We we tried we tried to revisit it re, a few years back for even just Brothers Grimm, and we couldn't even get past I think like the third level. It was it was terrible. Isn't it bad how nowadays, if you go back and play some of the old school games, they're hard as shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, somehow you remember being able to beat it like it was nothing as a yeah. kid. Going into now, you're just like, I'm absolute garbage. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. our favorite game, of course, for us was Super Double Dragon. He was always Billy Lee and I was always uh, Jimmy Lee. And it's, we soaked in God knows how many hours playing it through and through, beating it over and over again. It just never got old. See, my my favorite side scroller from from that era was definitely Super Ninja Gaiden. That I game... think mine was Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's really> <laughs> booyah! Tur- turtles. That was another big one from brother. I... Like Turtles in Time. Exactly. And that. That's what yeah. 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 Turtles in Time. Well, that game had some uh, the the water segments in that game were horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I listen. I just remember that a lot of times with her. Uh, I remember going to um, the skating rink. That was in a, yes. and you would go play the arcade games and everything like that. And when they ported some of those onto you know your actual home system and everything oh, like yeah. that, you would be able to just be like, okay, well, I'm going to play through this, but you'd have that unlimited, so you wouldn't have to waste all the quarters to actually have those lives keep on going. But you know what? That's why I love arcades because. Even though my brother and I growing up, we rarely got a chance to get these systems or games for it. We spent a lot of time in arcades. And I think what it, arcades do is they kind of force you to refine your skill. Yeah. Because your money literally depends on it. Uh-huh. And that's where we spent uh, probably a lot of our time playing the Turtles uh, in time and just other games. Especially rail shooters. That's where I found my love for rail shooter games. House of the Dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> time, uh, time Crisis. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Timeless class. My my big arcade memory is the old X Men arcade <gasps> Absolutely. console. Yeah, I think everyone had to play. Uh, uh, remember just to run sound. through. Uh. <laughs> uh, I always I always had to play Cyclops because I didn't realize how much of a dick he was back then. <laughs> yeah, and Austin. That's where Austin kind of established his love for Wolverine was the the, uh, the television series. As well as just the old arcade games. Yeah, that '90s series for the X Men was just perfect. But I, I, that <laughs> I think that was a great bridge. Also, back then, is you had all these matching TV shows with the game, so it was kind of easy to either start with one. You were watching Ninja Turtles, and then you wanted to play the game, or you'd be watching or you'd be playing Mario Brothers, and then watch the cartoon well, show. But also, it was during that era that we had a lot of those licensed video games that weren't horse crap. Yeah. Like, it's true. The problem is, is that most licensed video games over time just got bad. Well, no, There's yeah. a few that have done well, but again, back then, all like the only way that a game sold is pretty much word of mouth. I don't know. I think a lot of the stuff was just because it was super unique. When transitioning between the Atari to the 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 NES to the you know the SNES. Um, SNES. Yeah, I know that's how it is. Snes. I always found that abbreviation to be funny. Yeah, SNES. SNES. So when you had the transitions, like, it was just so amazing. Whether the game was actually good or not, who the fuck knows? But just the transition and the amazement of how everything looked and getting into these things and wherever you were, everything, and I know branding is still a big thing even yeah. today, but it just felt like so much more when you could be playing the game and then, like I said, watch Ninja Turtles and then the movie and then whatever. I mean, to be fair, we're, we're talking about an era in which they, they actually made a video game based on the 7-Up Dot. 
<laughs> and, and, and the Noid. Yeah. I think. And the Noid. And they, the Noid. Yeah. The Domino's uh, Noid. Do you guys remember Remember. Snake Rattle and Roll? Yes. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know maybe if that's on purpose or... Oh, no, <laughs> okay. that was a great game. That was. Uh, Battletoads. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so be honest, and this goes for the people listening to this too. Who actually was able to get past the speeder bike level? Oh. Without cheats. Without cheats? Hell yeah. I rocked Battletoads, dude. That was one of my favorite games of all time. I actually don't think I could. Me and my cousin, me and my cousin David used to play that. I think my brother and I managed to, but then the problem is we were so low on lives that almost immediately afterwards we like died and then had to start all over again. Yeah. And then they made Battletoads meet Street Sharks or whatever. No, they did Battletoads meets Double. It was Battletoads versus, versus, versus Double Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which is also a very fun game because my brother and I were again hardcore into Double Dragon. That was our favorite beat 'em up franchise. So to see Battletoads, which we loved, do Battletoads versus Double Dragon, which is like yes. Mm-hmm. I gotta uh, say though, like even though I was big into the the Mario games and stuff like that. I, I considered myself, you know, back, you didn't even consider yourself a gamer. You were just a kid playing a game. That's what everybody and pretty much it, did. It was yeah, everyone everybody did. Everybody played Super Nintendo when I, was If out. you weren't doing sports, you were doing video games. Well, but that was the thing. I played sports when I was younger. I was outside a lot. I would come in and play a lot of video games, too. Uh, I basically did everything except for homework. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd get all that shit done, and it was kind of like... Uh, even divide for my time. I don't think I really started to get into real gaming until the PlayStation came out and then my heart came whole with Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> it's just, that game to me is, it's going to be my favorite game forever. It is what launched me into the true RPG phase. Like, even though I loved Breath of Fire, I loved Chrono Trigger, I loved some of those games, it, Final Fantasy VII pushed it over the edge yeah. well i mean and you know this me me and final fantasy 7 are are well, very that's, similar that's but... because me and you do the stereotypical thing we have to play that game once every, every single year. year just like we have to play every single year castlevania symphony of the night <laughs> every single year well the funny thing is is that's where if memory serves me correctly because we'll oh actually you know what jade cocoon but that was more of like a weird Pokemon really thing, and then also mm. playing Pokemon on Game Boy. Yeah, uh, those are, they have RPG elements. I guess they could still be technically considered somewhat of an yeah. RPG. Well, but Final Fantasy VII is definitely again for for me too, uh, where it really kind of launched into that, and that's where we also saw games being in the multi disc. Yes, with just how long they were, and that was definitely a, a huge part. I think of a lot of people's. Uh, Childhood growing up. Oh, absolutely. Except for, except for Dan, who, who, if he was here, would crap all over it, saying oh, it's the most yeah. overrated. But I'd have to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> we, Simple as that. I, it, we, there would literally we would, be we would just hold a cast him, we would of hold him down. fighting him. Yeah, we, we, we would hold him down, as you verbally... But you know what, though, uh, who else uh, is... He's like a half-and-half half Final Fantasy VII fan, which was Eric. If, yeah. he, if Eric, his opinion is Final Fantasy VIII is better, his his opinion is invalid. Invalid, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And I, no, I, I don't, I don't think he. Sure. I don't think he says eight is better. I think he says twelve is better. Mm. Eric is horrible people. I don't know if he can <laughs> well, ever be on this show again. To be fair, going back and playing playing the Zodiac Age re-release of twelve. It is a really good game. The problem is, is you just have no connection with the two main characters for the most part because it's not really their story. It's two other characters, like two side characters, the main yeah. story. And the one thing I will say that I, I do miss that we don't see anymore is arcades and comic book shops used to be fairly commonplace back then. Well, yeah, to be to be fair, one of our like 
old stomping grounds was essentially a comic book slash like gaming store with a land center in the back door but that's yeah. exactly what i'm talking about i remember uh, growing up back in royal palm when my brother and i was also worried about Yu-Gi-Oh cards <laughs> there was there was a a comic book shop which was connected to an arcade next to a bagel shop yeah it was all just right there you don't really have to go anywhere and that's where even uh, Pogs was also became a huge thing. Yeah, now we're really just diving oh, into that geez. '90s nostalgia. I know, oh, right? But they yeah. had Mortal Kombat uh, arcade cabinet where my brother and I would reverse each other. Time favorite Mortal Kombat character: Scorpion, Smoke, uh, Noob Cybot. Okay, okay. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all they're all the ninjas. They're all the ninjas. They're all the ninjas. Like everybody's, well, actually, I would say it, it would be a close. I don't want to say a tie. Johnny Cage came very close for me. Scorpion, of course. Oh, I've always hated Johnny Cage. Uh, I was never a Johnny Cage fan. I was a a Liu Kang if I have to go second. Which I know is super cheesy because it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Cheese dick the shit out of this. You got the main character. Yeah, I, I, I would go Jax if I had to choose a second. But it's it's funny how a lot of people choose a ninja of some sort. But then again, with with my brother, it plays off of the whole thing where either we always have to be working well against each other or just at each other's throats. So it was only natural that if I like Scorpion, he had to like Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but going back to what Mike said about like the comic book stores and stuff like that, I mean, we still have obviously comic book stores here and here, here and there. Uh, matter of fact, we still have like our local one, which is not too far from us, but you, it, it is true. Like, they're not as prevalent. No, they, you don't have that same feel everywhere. I mean, comic the the ones that are still around, especially in you know our area, they do a really good job at making sure that hey, we're I the mean, specialists. They, they, they have in every, this. They, they have, have everything, everything. and yeah. they try to pump out those events and stuff like that to yeah. draw in. That's all even the have. casual, and they, and they still have the like. The obligatory, like, comic book shop items now, like, they have all the old board games, they have yes. all the, the, the pop figs, they have... Back issues. Like, ba- you know, well, I oh. mean, that that's something that most comic book shops are going to have. Uh, like, some of them will hold on to some back issues. A lot of, a lot of comic books, like, or a lot of comic book I, stores... All I know... Never get rid of their <laughs> back stuff. Yeah, they, no. Well, because it's all, it's all collectible stuff, and whether you've gone through the ages and... Oh, yeah, because anything, it, it, for the collectors, known. it goes up in value. Yeah, but then you just have the casual reader. But, speaking of comics, I just remember that when it was back in the day, what got me into comics was my dad. Because my dad actually passed down a box of these old comics that he had when he was living up north and stuff like that. And I still have them to this day. Now, some of them are like old, beat-up Rustly comics. Nothing that was like first issue of anything. But that was like the thing that got me into it was kind of sitting down with my dad and looking through these comics, not reading because, again, no homework. <laughs> Which is funny that you said because my dad also got me into comics. Yeah. But this was why I said you'll find it funny because you know how I'm, I'm big on Marvel. Yeah. My dad was hardcore DC. Yeah. He actually had, like, his, one of his favorite characters was Green Lantern. He did have a Green Lantern first edition, and he actually had it signed by the artist. And unfortunately, again, sob story, he, he lost it. Uh, due to storm and things not being, uh, unfortunately, the shelter where it was at just it got destroyed. Mm. But he was really into DC, and then that's where I found Spider Man because he would take me to the comic book shop too. Yeah, uh, and from Spider Man, reading a lot of those comics when I was younger, and that was the thing too. Is I guess when you're younger, you can get away with a lot more because these days, like if we were walking up past, present, future, or maybe even Tate's. If you were to sit there and try to read a comic, they'd be like, hey, you know, come on, buy, buy the comic. And you, I mean, realistically, you should, instead of just sitting there reading it. But as a little kid, 
my my dad couldn't always afford to buy comics, so I would sit there and I would just read through them, and and they were at least nice enough back then to let you. And then if my dad had the money and he saw if I was really interested in something, he might be able to get to me. And that's where I got really into Venom, my favorite Marvel character, and just I know my favorite story arc. Also reading that growing up, where I mainly jumped into Venom comics was Lethal Protector. Okay. I mean, my my. Mine isn't my dad. Mine was my grandfather. But my grandfather, he he served in World War II, and he had a whole collection of old Captain America, and I forget the nice the um sergeant whatever his name was. The he he it was an older comic. It ran for a few years after like the wars ended and stuff like that, and they actually reprinted a few of the old issues not that long ago too. But it was um. He had those, and then he had a couple of the old action comics and a few detective comics. Like, I, one of my first comics that I ever read was one of the first appearances of Question. Oh. I, I think it was, like, Detective Comics, like, number six or something. It was an old, old comic book. But, yeah. I mean, for me, comics was something that I, I, like, I saw when I was a kid, but didn't grow into until I was... I mean, I had played D&D, I had played video games for years comic books was something that came along to me when i was like growing up yeah I, I don't think i was into comics at a real young age i think i was probably getting closer to my teens when when that occurred gaming you know had been the mm. first step yeah you know what i mean messing around with the tech and everything like that yeah. comics came a little bit later i didn't even get into um D and stuff like that until i don't even know like Almost done with high school because yeah. you fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. Like, you need somebody to bring you into D and D. You you don't ever dry start D and D. It's no. not like you're just like walking around the comic book shop. You see the D and D books, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah, which is true. Because I mean, when it comes everybody's to... everybody's introduction to D and D is somebody. Where did this begin? Because there had to be an original. There's two always people. Who yes, sat there's down a there's a patient zero <laughs> for, for every D and D group. <laughs> and there truly is because. Same experience. I started playing video <coughs> games when I was about four years old, in the whole Atari story. And then from there, I would say probably in early elementary schools when I got into comics, I didn't really get into D&D or a lot of the pen and paper stuff until I want to say like middle school. And even then, it was only for a little while, completely dropped off altogether, and really didn't get back into it to around uh, finishing high school. Because again, uh, everybody has that same story. There's the patient zero. That I had a friend who was just like, oh man, we should just go ahead and just run a quick campaign. And been playing it almost ever since. For, for me, my it, I was like 11 or 12. My cousin David and a, a group of his friends were, were playing. And they were, I mean, they were only a year or two ahead of me. My cousin David being like 12 or 13. And then his friends being 13, 14, somewhere in there. And they kind of treated me like the little kid of the group. Even though I was only like two years younger at most from the, the oldest person in the group. But I still got treated like the little kid. I remember playing this Elven Ranger and I freaking hated that character because i don't like elves and they sold me <laughs> as an elf whoa, whoa, whoa hold on you don't like elves but you love that elf ass yeah okay totally different okay just making sure that, that, that's that's because he has no elf ass to stare at I know, right? <laughs> yeah. that's right you don't like to be an elf yeah i don't want to be an elf right. i, I want to be in an elf it's oh. different <laughs> <laughs> time to go back to a con no <laughs> <laughs> So for me, it was one of those things. Like, I the first time I played D anD I was I was made in a in a way to not really enjoy it because I got again treated like a little kid and I got forced to play a character that I really wasn't into. But I had managed to roll 
18 double lot strength in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which means I had the strength equivalent of a giant as an wow. elf. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, some, and like, as a ranger? Your, your character. Yeah. Because uh, back in second edition in D anD D, the only things that could roll like you, you could, could roll an eighteen, but you could not. You get... got that mighty bow unlock. You got that mighty bow unlock. You could pierce through mountains. You got that mighty bow unlock, son. So back in back in second ed, uh, advanced second ed, the only classes that could roll. Uh, the high-end strengths, because you could roll an 18 on any class, but if you rolled 18 on any of the fighter classes, either warrior, paladin, or ranger, you got to roll a percentile die. Double lot was the equivalent of rolling a 100 on that. So, so, not only did you get the highest possible on the, uh, like, 3d6 roll, but you also got the highest possible result on the 100, per, like, the 1 out of 100 roll. Yeah, so in other words, crit dies. Yeah. Like, whatever you hit, just crit Yeah, no, and, 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 but the thing is, in 2nd edition D&D, at least in advanced 2nd edition D&D, thanks to Thacko, you could be killed by a dire rat at, at, as a level 16 character. That, that imminent doom <laughs> over <laughs> everything. That's the thing that, about those old games that, you know, even... No, even... Ma- no matter what, if you relax for a freaking moment, you can yeah. die I'm, suddenly. I'm going to make the comparison that a lot of people, especially gamers, tend to hate, which is, it was the Dark Souls of pen and paper. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because everything now has to be... Dark, the Dark Souls dark, of something. Yes, Dark Souls is apparently the bar but, for I mean, difficulty. I, yeah. I mean, I, I love Dark Souls, I do. It, it, it is one of the games that has managed to keep me in gaming at this age. I think I'm slowly starting to turn the leaf where before I didn't like Dark Souls at all. But, no, 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 you gotta understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a story person and going over some of the stuff with Mike about Dark Souls and some of the stories that are in there. Just some of the yeah, like yeah. some of the character background stuff. Yeah. Some of those stories are just really elegantly done. And that's what's kind of drawn me towards it. Other than that, it's basically fucking monster hunters in this complete and utter horseshit. Well but the thing is <laughs> but that's what I mean is though for that story and everything else, you have to kind of do that digging yourself. It's not really Yeah, but like... Monster Hunter has no story. No, it doesn't. It is it... pure it's just supposed to be mindless fun. I know it's not mindless fun for you, no. you already had your whole no, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't make us relive that mistake. <laughs> Fuck you. But I mean, like, if we if we can't give Destiny a pass for having us go to Grimoires online to read lore, I well, feel like the the thing is, is that's that's off of the game. I mean, all Even you have to do all you have to do for Dark Souls is read an item description once in a while, and you get part of the story. And the thing is, is there are characters, there are NPCs that you can talk to that will give you bits and pieces of the story. They're just vague, and you kind of have to piece things together a little bit. Because you will all, in every single one of the Dark Souls game, there is that crestfallen warrior that is like the first character you meet. Yeah. When you get to your hub world, that kind of gives you the, well, things went wrong when we tried to take down the big bad. Mm-hmm. But th- that's why I like Dark Arisen. I don't know if you, or not necessarily Dark Arisen, but Dragon's Dogma. Dark Arisen was the expansion, that's just what I referred to it as, because it added a lot more to the story. But that's why I like Dragon's Dogma, because you have elements of Monster Hunter, as far as at least being able to leap on the actual giant creatures you're fighting against. That's not a bad mechanic. No, yes, no, no, and not, I, I like Dragon's It Dark. had a great story, which was told while you're playing. I'm not saying it's hard <laughs> winning, but it was, it, it was enjoyable. There, there, it, it had its moments. There was, there, the story was not flawed. It, this is what it was presented to you. This was the world that you had. It oh, it was, it was totally flawed. It just wasn't built upon, like, be. it wasn't hidden from you. I was going to say that, because... 
and this is where I'm actually con- going to concede to some stuff when it comes down to Eric. We've had this discussion before. Final Fantasy VII. And I know I'm going to go gripe on this, but it is my favorite game. But it wasn't a perfect game. But you know what, though? The in-depth story, the system that it came down to. Exactly. It had such beautiful parts to it. And I know the continuity for some of the story. Especially because the English uh, translation. It gets a little weird mainly based on translation. The the Japanese storyline flows a lot better. Yeah. And the thing is, is it it, it is just a retelling of Norse mythology in a way. I thought that was always kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at all the animals, of course. But they did it in such a way. And this is why I'm talking specifically about the story in it and what it drove me to it. My My character that I drew to and I was just like, I this is my favorite character, isn't even a main cast character. It's a background character that they finally freaking made his own story, and that's Zack Fair. Him being the true cloud, you know what I mean? The the archetype. The actual cloud. Yeah, the actual cloud. The archetype for what cloud is in that game. Originally, they weren't even going to put a lot of that stuff in there. They were only going to do a bypassing mention. And then people started to notice the small hints, thus... The outcry for, we want to know more about this character. And I was one of those people. Because the story drives you to want to know all the in-depth little nooks and crannies behind every single window. Yeah. So, I but, mean, and that, that that's again why, I mean, it's getting a remake. Finally. Well, but, 2020? Yeah, well, we won't discuss yeah. that too much. Because I'm really still kind of ticked off about how they're trying to squeeze $60 out of every single disc. Yeah, yeah. And probably upwards towards 100 And don't let's not forget all the DLC. And this is Square Enix we're talking about. And we live in a world where DLC is king. They're mm. gonna, we're gonna get nickel and dime to hell and back. My, so, my thing is, oh, this. I definitely am getting nickel and dime. Yeah, we, you know. is it, is it, it to you? Is it even the same game? Because to me, it doesn't like it doesn't feel like I get what they're trying to do. They they are trying to remaster it, but there are so many games that they that Square Enix has remastered where they haven't messed with the base engine, and this is something that they've gone through. And completely overhauled it, the, the combat think, system and everything. I think that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. To, to specifically <laughs> talk, because we could actually talk about probably Final Fantasy VII, the remake on what they put out thus far and what everyone is projecting on an entire episode of its own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, that, that is how big that game is and the fact that all of us have, you know, uh, kind of this urge to be drawn to that game. If anybody from Konami listens to this at all, if you remake Castlevania Symphony of the Night, everyone will buy it as long as you don't mess with it too much. Just like shell shaded. I think if they shell like uh cell shaded that game, they could do so she much. Shells by she the Yeah, Yeah, my tongue doesn't work. <laughs> It's true, though. I could definitely see people, if they do it correctly, just completely buying into it. But it, to slightly touch on what you were saying, changing the system, again, this kind of slightly goes back to the discussion we had on the Know Your Role uh, podcast. We we're talking about how RPGs kind of had to evolve. Having the time-based yeah. combat would not translate well to a lot of modern gamers. I and mean, there's some people who have no problem doing it if you keep it exactly as it was intact, but I think you have to evolve into that real-time well, combat to keep the it kind of okay i i get that but if you look at the success of certain games i mean i know persona 5 wasn't a like 
gigantic, overwhelming hit, but it did it's, do really no, well. No, a lot of it, it is it has rave reviews, and a lot of people who never played Persona are even jumping into it. So it did great in that regard. But at the same time, if we're talking about you know real time combat with the, the whole strategy thing, look at Kingdom Hearts. That's more likely the system they are probably going to adopt. Kingdom well, Hearts that's that, that, yeah, job. that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying you you don't have to completely overhaul the that turn based battle system like. That's what Persona oh, 5 did. They all they did was it, make it look pretty, and you actually have like battlefield position, kind mm-hmm. of. Like you can do that and keep it that turn based style. Obviously, yeah. But I mean, you don't have to turn it into a gigantic, horrible action mess. Well, who's to say it is? We haven't seen the game come out yet, and I'm sure we'll get more yeah, later. That, then I, we could probably. I was gonna I'm say just worried. I'm just so worried that it's going to turn into another Final Fantasy 13, and I freaking hated that game. Mm. I, I will recent. I will draw a line in the sand for every freaking fanboy of that game right here and right now. You I heard that, hate folks. Final Fantasy Thirteen. Fight Mike <laughs> in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to do it. I, 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 I love playing a game that's essentially a glorified corridor into a like into an open world that has absolutely no like. Nothing. It had nothing. That open world was crap. Uh-oh. Uh oh. This is his monster hunter. So <laughs> this is my monster. Hunter. Every, everybody's got. Uh, everybody's got a monster one. hunter. Everybody's everybody got, got that one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, who remembers actually renting games like Blockbuster? Oh, oh absolutely. Oh my god. I the I never owned a copy of Earthbound, but I think I rented it like six times. Mm-hmm. That's actually how the first time. That's actually how we did play Nintendo. It was through relative for some of the games, but then we enjoyed it so much. My dad actually. This is back when Blockbuster did. Console. That's yes. right, folks. We're old. We were, date, we're dating ourselves here. <laughs> but that's when Blockbuster actually did console, uh, like, like rentals. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that, that's actually how we first played Super Nintendo. And so we liked it enough and we begged the crap out of my dad enough. And eventually he was able to. He caved. Well, no, no. He didn't. <laughs> he have, caved. He, he did, but he also <laughs> didn't really have the money at the time. So it took time. And then it's like, you know, do you guys want to eat? Or do you guys want to play video games? We're like, video games! Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, mm. uh, but that's where too. At the time, they did like a deal. So I don't remember if you remember the the bazooka that you got for Super Nintendo for the rail rail shooting games. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They had yeah. A, they had a Mario Super Scope Six, Super so- Scope Six. They actually had that. They had a Mario one. It was an on rail shooter that okay. used Super Scope Six, which is unfortunately also used in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. but uh. that was just that was just. Um, I, mind-blowing at the time. And it's what's, what's really hilarious, too, if you think about it. I'll use Turok as an example. So we have Turok on Nintendo 64. Back then, for whatever reason, those those pixelated blocks were, like, the real deal. Like, you were seeing real dinosaurs jump out at you. But then you go back to it now. So I have, to, like, so I have to say oh this. My God. There were, there were, I forget the name of this movie, but I was watching this really weird sci-fi movie that I found on Netflix one day. And Sounds about right. <laughs> it, it, it's, like, super B-movie. And midway through it, the guy busts out like a ray gun to take down the the alien. I swear to God, it was built upon a super scope. Like it was legitimately built on the super scope. That's like it the, had some action. You know, I, like, I know, I know. Thing. Like cutting back to those B-ray movies, they did the best <laughs> job at taking some shit around the house and making it into props because they had no money anyways. Those those are the moments that are really great in those B-ray movies. Oh man, I'm telling you. Actually, remembering uh, watching a lot of those as a kid. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother and I got introduced into horror real young, mm-hmm. and thankfully we were like some people when they watch a horror movie that young, they're kind of just like scared for life about certain things like clowns 
Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm not scared of clowns. I just hate clowns. Okay, I was a little bit afraid I'm of clowns. I'm clownsist. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> a clownsist. Remember, we identified We established this. This is on the internet forever. I have established that I'm a clownsist. <laughs> but that, even for me and my brothers, uh, watching a lot of different horror movies, watching The Nightmare on Elm Street, the Friday the 13th, the Child's Absolutely. And just the Blockbuster 2, like, I remember just always cruising through the, the, uh, the horror aisle of Blockbuster, not necessarily being able to rent, like, uh, very many of those, but even, I remember my brother and I, one of, one of our favorite things to do, as lame as that kind of sounds, is looking at the box art of the VHS. Oh, yeah. And looking at the back end. <laughs> do you the remember? The best box arts, okay, for real, and I'm gonna go with this, because going over to Blockbuster and then your parents and your family, they're all, like, trying to get whatever movie they want. It's like everybody sends his and conquer. Just, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you're just like, go out, look forth. Bring me what you wish, and I'm still going to say no. But still, like, I would run over to, like, the anime section. After I was done with looking at what game do I want to try to get for a system and be denied for it, I would then go over to the anime section and look at all the shit. Because I grew up watching, you know, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid. Okay? Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and and you know what? I'm not ashamed to say this, but also Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon and Ronin Ronin Warriors! Warriors. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. Okay, Ronin Warriors, no joke. All right. Was the first toy I personally ever actually purchased as a kid. Okay? My mom was trying to teach me a lesson on how, you know... Be responsible money, money with, works, with, yeah. and everything like that. And I kept on going over to Toy Hall and be like, hey, I want this Ryu of the the uh, Wildfire, okay? I really want that, and I still to know this day, Ryu of the Wildfire, okay? I would get him, and I'd be like, hey, I want this, okay? And she said, all right, if you want it, you got to pay for it. And be like, well, I ain't got no money. She's like, guess what you got to work towards? So she eventually made me do chores, get money, stuff like that. I saved up for it. And that was the first toy I ever personally bought. And speaking of toys, just when it comes to like Burger King and McDonald's, do you remember when they actually had like legit toys back then? Oh, yeah. Like you actually got like almost action figures half yeah. the time? Like versus now where like I remember like getting a kid's meal for Edmund and they just... It's like a piece of paper, paper craft, which I'm not going to completely knock that. I think that helps with creativity. But you're just looking at the back then versus the now. And mm-hmm. You're just like, what? Yeah, I know. The, definitely things have changed with how McDonald's is going to put out some toys. But I don't know. Um, it was funny because my sister still likes to get Happy Meal toys every once in a while because she eats like a bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she got these Mario toys and everything like that from like one of the new Mario games. Well, I think Nintendo out. tends to go all out because yeah. I think they have a little yeah. bit more say in it. So they're like, we have no problem showing well, this money. And the other thing is, is like Disney, yeah. Disney and Marvel yeah, when Disney. they when they've done like movies that, that, that have coincided with like Happy Meals and stuff. They have always been like, there was a really cool Thor toy when, um... There's no such thing as a cool Thor toy unless it's not <laughs> Thor. We established this already, Mike. He's bland. He's ridiculous. He's lucky that the movie, the third one, was good. Okay? <laughs> Which, of course, if you haven't seen the Thor Ragnarok review, shameless promotion, you can go see it. It will be on our channel. And it, it is pretty funny, the arguments we get into over that. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I always remembered, like, getting into Magic the Gathering and getting into Yu-Gi-Oh! And now into, like, like Hero Clicks and stuff. Like, those, I need to build this deck or build this oh, team. Man. Like, my first, my first Magic the Gathering deck was a green elf deck that 
most of my friends hated because I would play Fog and then none of their damage counted and I'd just keep spawning elves and healing myself and then I'd have like 138 again, elves. Tribe, elves. Tri- tribe decks I, before again, tribe decks were really again a thing. Again with these elves. It was, just, it, was, it was just a matter of... I hate elves. I hate elves. Everything I do revolves around elves. <laughs> but the, it, was the, it was that weird luck of the draw thing. With me, the, the first like actual complete deck that I could build, the Magic the Gathering cards that I had gotten, was... A green deck, and it just happened to be elf based. And I was like, "Crap, it's elf." That reminds me too. That I think, but it was... I used to sacrifice them a lot. <laughs> yeah, because that would actually help out as far as I believe they generated mana that way. Yes, and uh, it reminds me. There's like a, I think it was Hollywood video. There's a really old other rental place where my dad would sometimes pop in. They sold uh, brown bags of cards. They got you random cards. Yeah. yeah, so you never do what you're gonna get, but they, they and used... sometimes you would go in and you'd get like a, a grab bag of the cards, and they wouldn't all be from the same game. Yeah. That's how I ended up with Pokemon cards, and I never played the Pokemon card game. Uh, listen, my uh, my brown bag verse of cards, which was in my Yu-Gi-Oh phase, is um, my buddy Lens was actually working for like a flea market area. He'd be yeah. able to travel through there, and honestly, he'd be able to get like rare cards to like common cards and everything like that. Basically, great rate bag it. Here you go. And it'd be like, oh shit. And you could get some specific stuff. So, you know, we had that cheat on. <laughs> the, the heart of the cards was definitely in my favor when and, I started buying specific and ones. This is where we all had Exonia. <laughs> my, my dad tried so hard to give, because you know, my brother and I really enjoyed Pokemon as yeah. far as the Game Boy games. So he really tried to get us into uh, the the Pokemon card game, but we just we weren't buying. It wasn't fun. Us yeah. it was harder. It really that was, that one was overcomplicated. It, for it, the weirdest it really reason. was, and it actually that reminds me of a fond memory uh, where my dad actually took me to my first convention before I even knew conventions were a thing. So you guys know down Okeechobee Road where uh, there is that car lot that used to be a convention center, and they had um, a convention. Yeah, the uptown downtown. Flea market in Auto Mall or something like that. Yeah, they actually they had a convention there. Yeah, it used and, to be where the old Palm Beach. And that's where my dad was. actually got me a plush of my favorite Pokemon, Snorlax, which I actually still have over there on like, my yeah. little nerd throne to this day. Yeah, and he also that's where he tried to get some cheap Pokemon cards. It's like he was really pushing for Pokemon cards, but it just wasn't happening. Yeah, didn't even really get into Magic cards until probably even though we got the brown bags and stuff like that. My brother and I we played we we created Commander before Commander was a thing. Mm-hmm. Which I always thought was funny, because we didn't really fully understand the rules, so we came like a bastardized version of that. Yeah. Uh, well, A, if we're, if we're taking um, props for things that we did before it actually was a thing, uh, me and Mike used to talk about making um, Yu-Gi-Oh! clicks before they actually officially the came Yu-Gi-Oh! out. Yeah. Clicks. It was, we were like, we started playing, Yu- um, we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! for a long time, we also got into Hero Clicks, and then there was always that thing where it's like, hmm... What if we could turn these into clicks? And we tried for the hardest time to like think of how it would work on the old school game. And then like a few years later, boom, they come out with Yu-Gi-Oh clicks. And it's just like, ah, oh, if I jumped on the bandwagon so much sooner. And this is a good point too, because Yu-Gi-Oh is probably the first card game I truly, really jumped and got into. Yeah. My brother and I, the, the kids in our neighborhood, that's where everybody was getting into it. Everybody was doing what they can. Some kids, you know, were hustling to get the, those, those cards. Uh-huh. And, I mean, uh, there were, there's so many good decks that you could make. In well, that was my, my huge thing, too, is I always I always try to maximize whatever I'm doing. I try to make things as powerful as humanly possible without lowest cost. So a lot, a lot of my deck was a lot of high attack, like 1,800 attack on a four-star monster. Yeah. So I didn't have to sacrifice to get in there so I could still hit hard from the beginning. And also, I was lucky enough that I actually got a foil Megamorph. 
and that actually p- paid back in like dividends half the time. So, but what what would you classify as your style for Yu Gi Oh? Like just I, well, apparently he was a he was a he I was know. a low cost power swinger. Yeah, I know, right? Like I know you loved to do that whole sacrifice from your graveyards, the black and white deck. Well, I did. I, that was that was more for my Magic the Gathering. Like I did a I did a black and blue deck that was a lot of sacrifice. I just remember your but Chaos my Yugi, Sorcerer a lot. My Yugi. Well, okay, yeah, the Chaos Sorcerer and stuff. But I, I primarily played that. Like I played a ma- a Mage deck or. The, the the sorcerers or whatever they were called magicians the magicians yeah. Yeah. I did like a, I ran the gamut of a lot of different things yeah because uh, what it was is uh, uh, what is it Rai Geku or something like that the one that destroys all the opponent's monsters yeah I had uh, acid uh, acid trap. trap hole I had trap hole a lot of things basically get rid of your monsters so my monsters can wreck your face if, right or they're high enough in this because I had like the Dijin that was 1800 attack points Rainbow Fish 1800 I mean, attack points that was a lot of my stuff I was more of an aggressive attacker I had almost no defensive based cards with the exception <laughs> oh you'd of, be screwed against my deck yeah you'd be yeah. screwed against mine too because yeah. I, I primarily ran things like the Aquamador and the yeah. Neo Aquamador where defense the defense value is so high well, I and only, it does damage back to I only had a few, which was, like, Labyrinth. So that's uh, anybody who's played me a few times would know, oh, crap, that's Labyrinth. Yeah. Don't attack. 14, I would have to say my uh, style, 3, though, my style was a lot more... Uh, one, I did a lot of counters. Yeah. yeah. Trap counters, spell counters, and cards. You did a lot counter. of that, like, if you, you like forcing people to play their car- their cards upright and stuff like that. Exactly. I remember a lot um, of But the thing is, like, I always called it my Egyptian Nightmare deck because a, a lot of the cards that I put in it, one, were uh, mummies, zombies, things that you would find classically, like, Egyptian style. A lot that, of counters. That spirit. In th- that thing that had, like... Only 100 health, but it couldn't be killed oh, by yeah. physical attacks oh, or yeah. whatever. The only- it, the, but the uh, the point of it was, my deck actually revolved around a lot of, I'm going to do a lot of damage to myself to kill you. Well, it's <laughs> funny that you say that. Later on, when Toys R Us was running their tournaments, at that point, I was able to get a hold of a Frankensteiner. Oh, wow. As that was well- originally a game card that they turned into a, the card game. Yes, and then I actually was able to get a Blue Eyes Ultimate White Dragon. So you yeah. can kind of see where this is going. Yeah. Frankensteiner first turn, sacrifice half my life points to special summon the fusion, summon Blue Eyes Ultimate White Dragon, Megamorph that bitch, game over, one shot kill. Yeah. Now, it, I would have, to, I was thankfully lucky enough in that one particular match, I was able to pull Frankensteiner in my first hand, because otherwise, you know, that wouldn't really work out in the long run. But that was just, to me, the, like, most epic match. I think it was, like, two, three turns, match is already over with. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing a lot of those tournaments. Well, even just, like, local group stuff. We would have so many people get together and play Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments at, like, the park. Even uh, even just, like, again, I said, with the other kids in the neighborhood, we would play on, like, the sidewalk or even on our driveways just playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Just other card games. Mm -hmm. But Heroclix, I really didn't get into until, I would say, not even a year ago, thanks to Dan. Dan introduced me to it. I've heard of it in the past, and even um, Sabo gave me the Eddie Brock uh, Heroclix. And I'm just like, this looks so complex. I don't really want to try and learn this. There's too many rules. And then finally, you know, Anthony, just do it. All right, fine, Dan. Show me how to play. Come find out. It's actually really not that hard to learn. And it's a lot of fun to play, especially all the different dynamics, all the abilities and the creation of teams and what uh, you can do with it. I mean, Heroclix has definitely evolved. It's definitely changed a lot. I mean, obviously, but um, the game has gone so far to where it's so unique 
um, in the play styles for different things and just <laughs> so many out there that you can make whatever you need to. I, I love how to this day, every single time somebody tries to ask us about hero clicks, we just explain it as it's chess with more rules. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, the fun thing is I just say differently. I'd say it's basically D and D except for you, ha- your figures are your pre-made characters and just a lot less of creation involved. Yeah. It's still I, I, movement I, I, board, still rolling. It's a, sh- it's a strategy it's, game. It's chess with more rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, it's chess with more rules and it iconicizes mostly comic book characters. That's a, To me, that's like the simplest and best way to kind of put it. Um, and I mean, we've gotten so into it. You and I, I mean, I'm sure... Mike, Mike created freaking... In. What was his name? Uh, Hill, the Hillbilly. <laughs> it was a Red Next Steve. Red Next Steve. Oh, yeah. That's but, what I'm talking about. We're so into Hero Clicks. We've even gone as far as creating our own characters. Yeah. Like, I'm almost constantly running Ruin and Clemency. Yeah, I mean, the custom figs are starting to come out because one, I mean, once you get into the game enough, it's just like anything else, you can start creating not just rules, I mean, you're abiding by the rules, but you're creating your own special abilities and everything like that. So, yeah, when you get into it hardcore, you can do that. Um, and I mean, shit, I'm getting to the point where I'm creating my own Final Fantasy VII series for it, which is going to take forever to make. Oh, yeah. Anytime you try to do a set on the on the on the character creator for the hero clicks, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, but I think it's just a gap that needs to be filled because come on, there needs to be Final Fantasy uh, Seven something. Figure. How it hasn't been made yet, I honestly I have no idea. They probably haven't reached out to them or Square. It's just like I don't want any part of this. But, yeah. It's like yeah, no, no, you guys aren't big enough yet. Sorry, uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> Poor WizKids. <laughs> uh... Shout out to WizKids. <laughs> We still love you. Yeah. Yep. And that'll roll us out for the evening. Thanks for uh, listening to us tonight. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. So in the comments below, let us know what got you into gaming, comics, tabletop, and all that other good stuff. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Snapchat. So you'll know when we post up new videos as well as podcasts. And if you'd like to see us grow, don't forget to head over onto Patreon to become a patron. Twitch and follow us for our Saturday morning whatever, as well as our other live streams.